Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become just like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to our library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. On today's episode, I am super excited to be joined by some of our More To Be coaches that are part of the More To Be Coach Network. I have with me here today, Perry Ashley and LaVonda McCullough. Hopefully I said that correctly. At least I know their first names because I spent a lot of time with them. And we are going to be talking about a topic that is probably something that you have found yourself saying, like, if I only knew when. And so the topic that we're doing is what I wish I knew when. And we each have for you just kind of a little story and a little point from scripture that we have taken to heart. And if we could go back we would have done it differently, but here we are, and we hope that the wisdom that we have for you will help you think biblically and live transformed. So, uh, Perry, would you go ahead and just introduce yourself first? Tell us where you're from and what led you to coaching and about your life, and then Lavanda will have you introduce yourself, and then we'll have you kick off with your story from Joshua. So, if you guys are grabbing your Bibles, grab them and open up to Joshua 1, but Perry, go ahead and Give a hello. All right. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. And um, my name is Perry Ashley. I'm from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Well, not actually from. I am from North Carolina, live in Oshkosh, um, hence the accent. But um, I'm a wife of almost 25 years. My kids are 22, 20, and 13. Um, homeschool mom turned um, life coach. Um, so I coach women who are in their midlife and beyond who are looking for passion, purpose, and peace. Um, help them rediscover their identity and how to move forward into a new season of life. Mm, love it. Love it. I didn't realize that our kids were so close in age and that we both are going on 25 years of marriage. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Next yeah. month. Mm. No, well, we just celebrated 24. So we've got another, we've got another uh -huh. year to go. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And LaVonda, tell everybody where you're from and a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is LaVonda McCullough. I'm from North Carolina as well. However, I currently live in Stuttgart, Germany. I'm a wife, a mother, a life coach, military spouse. I think I wear a lot of hats. And um, we've been married for 30 years. We have three children that are uh, one adult, 28, and a set of twins that are 18. So we are in the process of doing the empty nest syndrome, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. And I coach women that are seeking spiritual growth, and I do that through life coaching, Bible studies, uh, women's retreats, and the opportunities to do prayer walks here in the area. Mm, I love it. I love it. And you just launched your twins off at college. Yes. So that has been quite the journey. So what did that, did all the stars align that they didn't have to be at the same place at the same time? Uh, you know, yes, it did. Everything worked out perfectly for its timing and it allowed our family, our, all of our family to um, 
those of us here in uh, Germany to me in the US, our, US you, our oldest daughter who's already in the US meet us up. We were able to do our two week quarantining together in an Airbnb before we started uh, what we call a road trip to go drop off one and then the road trip back down to drop off the other. Perfect. So it was quite an experience um, of being being together with family and to have all five of us together. It was a blessing. That is amazing. Well, you know, with having twins, we've talked about what's going to happen if they both have to be at the same place at the same time. Because we, I mean, I, I don't want to miss sending off either for their first year of college. So that's one of those distant future worries. <laughs> Well, their, their separation has been more difficult, or I should say challenging for them, um, more challenging than they had anticipated, mm. but they are striving through it. It's, uh, it's been real unique. They now, in retrospect, say we both should have applied to the same college. Oh. Um, so, you know, we will see what happens, you know, in the future. Um, our son had the opportunity to uh, to follow his passion in football with the football scholarship so he's in one part of the u.s and the you know our daughter who's interested in pre-med they didn't offer what what was her desire but yeah. what's most important is that they're following their passion yeah yeah that's awesome oh we need to do another episode on launching children probably we have we haven't i'm not sure we've done an episode on la launching children well but that would be a good one to do so for today we're talking about what i wish I knew when. So what's one thing, LaVonda, that you feel like I, what I wish I knew when, when it comes to this life that you're leading now? I wish I knew when someone handed me this scripture um, when I was at a InterVarsity Christian Fellowship retreat. Uh, the verse that we'll mention uh, later was the importance of seeking God and, you know, building a relationship with him. Key word in that is relationship, not just going through the motions of I went to church and that was it. It wasn't knowing God for myself mm. uh, for many years. And it was a check mark and it has been different. It has been completely different over the years when I started to learn the importance of that. So I wish I had taken that scripture to heart when someone left that for me anonymously at a Christian leadership conference, no doubt. That's interesting. So, so go ahead and tell us that verse. And then I want to go backwards and hear more of your story up until that point. Okay. Uh, that verse is Joshua 1 and verse 8. It says, study this book of the, in, well, let me back up and let you know, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Oh, that's helpful. Okay. 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 New Living Translation, Joshua 1.8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to do everything written in it. Only then will you, be pros will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Mm, so good. I read it this morning in preparation and, and my version is CSB and it says, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. And that, that like struck me because I thought, oh, we usually think about it in the heart, but if it's in the mouth, it, you have mm -hmm. to be able to speak it. And in order to speak exactly. something, you have to know it. 
know it. So it's, it struck me in a new way. And then it says you are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. So, so you we'll go back to that, but so you were at this leadership conference. How did you even get to that? What was your childhood and your, you know, teen years like that prepared you for that path of being at an inner varsity conference? Okay. Well, I grew up in a, uh, in a Christian home and we attended church on a regular basis, being part of Sunday school. And it was, um, it, you know, it was a regular routine to be involved with the youth conferences and uh, different, different activities that our church would sponsor. But in college, I became involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And the way I did that was they assigned us big sisters at college. I went to Spelman College in Atlanta and my big sister invited me to go to a Bible study that was going to be held in the dorm I was, um, I was living in. And so at that time I went to um, the Bible study. I fell in love with um, the, the mentor or what they call the staff worker uh, from InterVarsity, Skip McDonald. And it was through that process, I'll remember the pamphlet that she gave me on my first visit there. And it was entitled Daily Quiet Time. And I truly took that to heart and started to, you know, well, what is a daily quiet time? I mean, I knew, I knew about reading the Bible, but not studying the Bible. So that was completely different. So um, doing after the end of our freshman year, end of my freshman year, it was a summer camp. Uh, she asked me if I would consider going to a leadership conference. She thought it would be great continuing in my path for spiritual growth. And I agreed to go at the conference, there were times that um, there was a board that, they, that had envelopes on there. And on the envelopes, each person had their name. And throughout that week of the conference, uh, you could leave an encouraging note or scripture, something positive for that person throughout the week. And at the end of the conference, the um, person would seal the envelope and you were to take it home. And that is, I mean, I, I had notes from lots of different people, scriptures, and but they put their name, but there was just this one as if they had torn it out of a, a notebook, you know, you know, jagged edges and all, and all that was on there were jo was Joshua 1.8. And I thought, well, what does that mean? Yeah. So um, I literally started going around asking, well, who put this in here? You didn't, you know, you didn't tell me your name, but... I ha I've held on to that, what I call a strip of paper that I use in a bookmark. I refer back to it. And it's, it's just, you know, been a part of my life because doing that conference uh, or yeah, doing that conference, it was truly a, a turning point and how I looked at the of a relationship with Christ. Not to say that I always stayed on the path of keeping, keeping and maintaining, I knew the importance of it. However, that was the start and I could always go back to that. And so I have ended up using that a lot today in life coaching, in my women's ministry, and being able to encourage women in the, the importance and the process of developing intimacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
intimacy with the Lord through time and his word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Perry, I see your head. Like, this is the beauty of us. We get to be yeah. on Zoom. So we see each other. I see you engaging with us mm-hmm. and, and, and giving kind of this amen. What What's your thought going on? Yeah. I just think it's so important when we turn that corner from realizing that being a Christian is not about just reading the Bible and in, being in prayer. It's it's not head knowledge. It's when the heart connects. It's when the relationship the relationship with Jesus Christ builds that we are not just a fan. We're a follower. We want to spend time with our Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Totally. And that, you know, going back to the scriptures here, when you said that, the, the piece that really strikes me, I mean, you know, we're only looking at one verse and I always talk about the fact that we should look at scripture in context. And so, you know, context is this is the beginning of the book of Joshua and it's the commissioning of what is to come. And, you know, within the first <laughs> seven verses right there is this is what you are to do. I mean, even if you pick up at the previous verse, Um, I'm going to go from verse six, be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land. I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction. My Moses, my, my Moses, my servant Moses commanded you do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. So there is this kind of structure, this, this rhythm, this, routine that needs to happen this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth and we talked about that a little bit but you are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it and i was thinking about the importance of when we're when we're in the word and getting to know who god is in the word we can be thinking about it even when we're not in it because of the work of the holy spirit the Holy Spirit can draw to mind, but then we also have to be observing what's going on around us. And so will we see it through um, the lens of our own accomplishments and our own doings and our own passions, or will we see life through the lens of God's word, which can't happen if we're not in the word? Exactly. Yeah. So are there like moments that come to mind, especially LaVonda for you, since this is such a key part of your story where you can say you saw God at work because you had been in the word? Oh, yes. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there, there has been a, several, what I would say, miracles that I have seen the Lord uh, do in the life of, of our children and um, from, you know, injuries that could not be explained And one in particular that comes to mind, you know, right now is when our daughter, um, our daughter, one of our daughters, uh, she woke up one morning and the left side of her face was paralyzed. Mm. And she was like, there's a tingling in my face. Don't know what's going on. We take her to the hospital. And um, in the process of running tests, they can't determine what's wrong. It's, you know, just something that's happened. It's not Bell's palsy. It's not a Lyme's disease, just something that has happened. But her faith and the faith of our family because of our standing and believing God's word 
was she's like, I, I, I don't need to stay in the hospital, although we stayed there for, you know, those four or five days. She went home without having gained any uh, movement on the left side of her face, uh, unable to play her bass clarinet. But she said, I believe God. It's I believe God. Mom, you said to believe God. And we stand on faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she, that at that age, she was uh, a ninth grader, wow. had to go to school the first day of school with the left side of her face drooped down. But their faith and her, as I would just say her faith, all of our faith that God will heal me. That is what she stood on, is God will heal me. And true enough, miraculously at church one Sunday, um, the, the, the we were guests visiting at another service and the the preacher um, spoke and said that there was there someone there that needed um, that was having problems in their head or on their you know something in the in their face or on their body if so we want to pray for you and she stood up now this mm -hmm. is my quiet very quiet shy daughter and she stands up and she tells him the, that, you know, my face, I, something's wrong and I'm paralyzed on the left side of my face. And he, he asked her, do you, will you believe God will heal you? And she said, yes, I believe. And so he asked the young man sitting next to her, do you believe God will heal this young lady? And he says, yes, I'm her brother. And, and so he put, he, he instructed our son to put his hands on her head and for the church to pray. And miraculously, healing took place. She was able to play her bass clarinet by the time we were to leave service that day, where she could not, you know, put air on in her um, cheeks from both sides of, of her face was now completely healed. So mm -hmm. God's word that exist that exists now, the healing and the power of it that took place then is so relevant now. Mm -hmm. So if I had not truly studied God's word to know that God is a healer mm -hmm. and to know that if I ask, seek and knock, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know those things if it had not come from spending time in his word. Yeah. So the yeah. importance of studying it and obeying what he tells you to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ah. I got goosebumps all over my like body as you were sharing that story. Perry, I saw you like having a, a similar response, like, you know, because honest, like, I'm like, come on now, like God could heal like that. Right. Cause that is where we are weak in our faith where the word tells us something, but we don't see it. So we don't believe it. And yet. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And, and so, I, I have not always walked in obedience. I know your translation has a different word yeah. in, in place of um, obey. Yeah. Um, I don't, because I, 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 my, my Bible that has it all red lined, the word study and the word obey circled um, are, are very key and jump out to me because I, I know that I have not always been a, um, obedient person to follow after what God instructs me to do. Mm -hmm. And it's important to listen to what God tells you to do yeah. and to heed to what he is, he is telling, you know, telling you, and you can't do that. It goes back to, if you're not being still enough, being still and knowing that he is God. So then mm -hmm. the Holy spirit can speak to you. 
Yeah. So it goes hand in hand, like, you know, Perry said, it, it's in your head, you can memorize that scripture, but the relationship has to come with truly loving the Lord with mm. all your heart, all mm. your soul, and with all your mind, then the two connect. Yeah. Then yeah. you're able to truly live out God's plan and purpose for your life. Yeah. Yeah. I often think of that obedience as if you love me, you will obey me. And, and yet I've seen my children say they love me and I've seen them obey me, but not with a pure heart, right? They obey yeah, exactly. me to get, to get me off their back. Uh, and Lord created and, me a clean heart. I know. And I'll be like, I want, I, I don't want, you know, just compliance here. I want cooperation. And so that's our relationship yeah. with God. That's the nuance of it is that he loved us first, but we get to love him. But sometimes we obey before we realize we love them, then we love them, and then therefore yes. we obey them. And it's this dance through our lifetime. And he, mm. he takes us yes. to deeper and deeper understanding of it. Ugh, it's good stuff. We could just end there, but we've got more good stuff. Because Perry, <laughs> yes, Perry's do. going to one of my favorite other passages in Psalm 139. So if y'all have your Bibles open, flip to Psalm 139, and uh, she's going to give us, uh, I'll just go ahead and read verse 14, and then I want you to tell us why you picked this, and then we'll, we'll unpack it some more. So, I will praise you because I have been, in my translation, remarkably and wonderfully made, and there's so many different translations for that. So, Perry, tell us what, what led you to want to share that verse today and share your story with us. So I realized that, well, I realized that I did not truly believe that verse. Like if you would have asked me 15, 20 years, do you believe that verse? I would have said, yes, like, yeah, I believe it. But I really did not embrace it and truly live it out. Okay. Mm. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. I believe that because like, an unborn baby, the miracle of birth, a baby fearfully and wonderfully made. I could grasp that, mm. right? But as an adult, fearfully and wonderfully made, not so much. Mm. <laughs> okay. Like I didn't really believe that part of me. Like maybe when I was a baby, yes. And then your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Well, your works are wonderful. Everything's wonderful except for me. Mm. Okay. Like, I can say, oh, look at all your creation, but I didn't really believe that it applied to me. And so really, I didn't know it full well, <laughs> fully well, you know. Um, um, what was the so, turning point? Well, let's, let's back up. Like, growing up, I just was an achiever. Like, I would set out a goal, and I would do it, and I was always like goal oriented, task oriented. And then like in high school, I knew I had to do well so that I could get a scholarship to college. And in college, I knew I had to do well to get into physical therapy school. And then I had to do well in physical therapy school so I can graduate and start work. And so, you know, I did that. And then um, got married, then set up like at age 27, um, set up an S Corp and had my own business and provided services to pediatrics. I love kids. And then also would like moonlight and do geriatrics because I love like I love the extremes, the, the two different age groups. Anyways, um, 
so all that was going well. I had kids, you know, so then I was focused on kids. And in 2002, I had a major health issue. Um, and it lasted actually a few years where I could no longer work. There was a period of time that I could not work. Mm. And then being in physical therapy, like that's, I mean, I had to use my body. I had to have, you know, I needed to be able to function to work well, right? And so um, that just really threw me for a loop when I couldn't work. I felt like who, I lost my identity. Mm -hmm. It was all wrapped up into what I was doing, not who I was, right? And so I lost my identity. Um, I was like, you know, unsure of myself and like, now what? And that should have been a red flag, Mm. right? And I should have taken time then, but I didn't feel well. I didn't take the time to really dig into my identity and self-awareness. And so when I got better, I still didn't take time to do that because, oh, I'm better now. Let's just Mm -hmm. keep on going, right? So I continued to homeschool, continue to work some. Fast forward to mid-40s, the two oldest graduated high school. Now, I was a homeschooler too, okay? So they graduate high school, only have one left. So... I'm kind of back to where I was in early 2002 or that area. And so I was wondering, like, who am I? What are my strengths? You know, I just needed to kind of rediscover myself, Mm -hmm. right? I was lost, unsure, lacked confidence, definitely not embracing my 40s, (laughs) being Mm -hmm. in the 40s, right? I saw myself as a jack of all trades, master of none, no particular skill or talent, um, nothing special, just meh, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was then that I realized enough is enough. I need to take time Mm -hmm. to really look at myself and discover how I was uniquely created, right? Mm. Like what, What am I good at? What are my values? What are my gifts? Mm -hmm. You know, and then, so I I went on a journey um, of self-discovery and I did look at strengths, values, spiritual gifts, personality, um, mindset and limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that intrigued me so much that now in my coaching, I am, going, I've been trained um, with um, positive intelligence. And so I can help more people with that to like increase the percent of time we use our minds to help us as opposed to letting our minds sabotage what we want to accomplish. Yeah, sure. But um, anyways, it, I learned so much through that process and I'm so thankful. One thing I learned was um, investing in myself and taking that time out to really look into my identity was not selfish. Mm-hmm. It actually helped me know God better. Yeah. And yeah. it helped me understand his word that much more. Yeah. Because God created us. We were made in his image. So we reflect God. Yep. And then hopefully we see God reflected in ourselves. Right. 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 So it's so good to hear uh, the themes I heard were 
you kept trying to put on something else to define who you were. And it was subconscious. It wasn't mm-hmm. conscious. It was, it was the job. It was the performance. It was the roles. It was the responsibilities. And, and then each one, when they were changed or lost, you had a kind of a stripping away of who you thought you were and a, a curiosity, a concern maybe of who you really were. And, and yet it took many, many iterations of that pattern before you got to the point of saying, okay, I need, I need to know God more. And it, part of that is knowing how he made me. Right. 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 Which is, I think, counter to the evangelical culture that says worship God alone and paying attention to self is, is a waste of time. And, and yet paying attention to how God made you can turn into a praising of his design. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like when we do take time for that self-awareness, like I've, I've discovered I've become a better mom yeah. and a wife mm-hmm. because, because now I'm in tune to other people's values and how they're uniquely created. And it is good. It might, it's different, but it's good. And God can use their differences and created them for a purpose uniquely, uniquely for hit for one intentional purpose or for that purpose. Right. And, and it's, it's all good. And um, then like, and if you don't understand who you are, how can you live out your purpose? Yeah. What he created you to be. Yeah. You're, you're just, you can, I think you can, because God's purposes are not dependent on our performance. Right. But I do think that we lack a sense of joy and satisfaction that God made for us to experience. Yes. Yes. We're not just busy bees on this planet. We are, we're meant to worship God in our work and we, we can't, and work, I don't mean paid. I mean, what we do with our hands and our feet and our heart and our minds. Right. Um, so it's interesting. Like, I want to get practical on this for a second, and then we'll look deeper at the scriptures for it. And Lavanda, if you have thoughts, I want to hear from you too on this. But um, so practically speaking, the going through coach training before I became an instructor was for me a pivotal point in that because it was the first time I encountered a core values assessment. And it's the first, you know, I had done personality assessments, but that that was a biggie, and that has now become something that I do with my family. Uh, and so I, c- I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what everybody's values are, but I could tell you I have enough of a sensitivity that when we're in conflict, I can say, are we having a core values issue here? And we can walk that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that even, um, you know, I've talked about this before from time to time about doing the Highlands Ability Battery Assessment, which is a, a really, um, thorough personality work type ability assessment and discovering that my husband was high classification and that I'm high concept organization. And, and that is one of the reasons why we're in conflict often because his high conflict, high classification ability means he can see a problem immediately in one of my ideas and he feels obligated to tell me why it won't work. And I also am a big idea girl, which came out of that assessment. My idea productivity is like 99 percentile. And so I could have a big idea with every breath, 
which is fatiguing for the people I'm in relationship with. It's not beneficial for running a business because I'm like Toby, my golden retriever and a squirrel off and running, right? And so understanding that God made me as a big idea girl, but made my husband as high classification and his perfect plan put us together. I can now take my big ideas to Steven and say, what won't work about this? And he'd be like, here you go. And I'm like, great, you just saved me time and money. Right. right. And so understanding our wiring becomes also a lens through which we can see other people's uniqueness and, and move into cooperation with them rather than conflict. Absolutely. And it, it helps in fa family dynamics. It helps on teams mm -hmm. and organizations at work your businesses yeah. and you're able to pull from their value their like you can speak to their values you yep. can pull from their strengths and it, yeah. yeah yeah but one one thing that i learned and i'm almost ashamed to say that is that this underlying what i was not saying was loud and clear to god that shamefully i was not by not believing this passage, I was negating the sovereignty of my creator. Yeah. Right. I was essentially saying when I was not believing that he fearfully and wonderfully made me, I was saying that, God, what you made is not good enough. Right. I was up. criticizing, you know, um, insulting the God of the universe. I mean, like what, what's I wrong know. with that picture? I know. Right. I know. Lavanda, I see you agreeing here. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, because I, this is a verse that I know I memorized, but did I embrace it? No, it's one of those that, yes, you're, you're created. God created everyone. Every child's a gift. But knowing who I am and who and to whom I belong is completely different. Embracing my identity um, for myself my identity was always in hiding behind either a profession or my spouse or something else that was, you know, that I thought would fill the emptiness to make it look good on the outside and not truly loving and embracing who I am and that God loves me. He created me. And he's accepted me completely. And I am good enough for, you know, for every, for everything, for everyone. And to not continue walking in a path of, you know, low self-confidence and not being a confident and bold person, you know, like, you know, the Lord's called, you know, called me to be, to be strong and courageous. So it's like in my Joshua verse, how I would, you know, many times um, be, you know, see myself as being a doormat because I didn't like myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't know who 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 I was. And you know, it's it was you know amazing how you allow those type of thoughts control your life for so many years. It makes it quite difficult to you know to get yourself out of you know get yourself out of what I say that rut you know that rut and being stuck and getting unstuck um, has been a process. But it, you know, I'm so grateful that I have been able to do that as well and to learn the importance of that because of who God created me to be. Yeah, yeah, 
I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, we do find ourselves in those ruts. And I think, like I've heard you both say, you, you know the verse, could read the verse, but you yeah. discounted the verse because you paid attention to what you intuitively probably knew didn't align with God's best. Like we see my friend just went through a really rough situation and put on an event and uh, just felt like it was a wonderful event. But one very loud, critical email came through from one person. And she's like, all I hear is the one. We, we hear the negative, we hear the criticism, we see the imperfections and what is not. And then, like you said, Perry, you declare that, well, God, you must have screwed up. I'm the, I'm the exception to this verse, you know, not exceptional as, as this verse declares. And so, I mean, that was me and, and both of what you guys have just said kind of leads into the passage that I want to share and the, the, what I wish I knew when, um, was that the secret to being the woman that God wanted me to be was giving him full access to my heart. And I, I didn't know that. I thought I gave him access to my heart when I gave my life to the Lord that semester in London, my junior year. Like I really, I went all in for Jesus and said, I'm going to believe in him and I'm going to live like him for the rest of my life. But in order for that to happen, I had to do what that Joshua passage said, which was to, you know, know the book of instruction. And I started, right? So right when I got home from London, my friend Susie, who was the one that shared Jesus with me and, and was the really the, the last person to present the gospel to me before I said yes, uh, she, um, she sent me a Bible and I decided to start reading it based on looking up the areas that I wanted to know if I could have permission to still rebel in. <laughs> like, could I still have sex? Could I still party? Could I still curse? Like, could I still do these things and love Jesus? And so I didn't know how to read scripture and it was overwhelming to me. And so it was literally a decade before I ever read the Bible for myself in a quiet time, like what you were saying, Lavanda, at the beginning, that daily quiet time. I didn't, I didn't know how. I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. And, and my quiet time had started, um, you know, about a decade later, I had been, God set me up. Two things happened. One, um, a friend invited me to Bible study at church and I said yes and signed up and then she never showed up. So I got in my first Bible study that way and divine setup. Three weeks later, I had a friend that had moved across the country show up at my back door, literally the sliding door of the apartment we were living in. And she handed me a devotional and she said, God told me to give this to you. And it was a devotional by Ruth Myers. It was about, I think, uh, 31 days to a steadfast love. I think I'll have to look up the title of it. So I started reading. I started having a quiet time with that devotional. I would read the devotional, I would look up the Bible passages, and I would write one verse down. That was all I knew how to do. So I had this Bible study happening at church. I had this devotional life starting. It was another one, two, I counted based on where I lived and how many children I had. It was another four years before I actually read a book of scripture for myself. So I had been a believer at this point for like over 10 years. Uh, I know. And it's like, how did I make it through? I went to buy, I went to small groups, but the Bible was 
there. My faith was there, but my relationship in the word with God was not. And the very first book he took me to read was Ezekiel 36, 20, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. What type of Christian reads the book of Ezekiel as the very first book of the Bible? But that's where he took me. Yeah. And so uh, I, Ezekiel, and I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm taking notes on each passage. I'm trying to understand the historical context and what does this prophetic word mean? And when I get to Ezekiel 36, 26, it was like the sky parted, God came down, and my whole life began to hinge on this like one verse of, um, I will give you a new heart. It's been a long time since I've been back at this place. And put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Which is that Joshua passage. Right? And I read that. Did not know what it meant. Did not know what it meant, but in the, it was about a month later, um, my husband had said to me, Lisa, if you really love me and the kids, you wouldn't treat us this way. And I was so, so, so mad. Like, how could you say that? I'm this Christian. I go to church. I pray. I'm reading my Bible. How could you say this about me? And I turned to a friend kind of trying to get some sympathy and she's like, he's right. And you need to get help. And I hated her for an hour and then <laughs> took her advice. And that's actually what propelled me into therapy and started going through the process of unpacking a stony heart. I mean, the issue was I gave God my life, but I buried inside my heart all of my sin and shame and all of the wounds. And I was carrying this around with me. So what was coming out of me, I mean, the, the, the word says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So my words were wicked and my tone was cutting and my, um, I, I, yeah, I might not have ever raised a hand in anger, but my words were, were spewing. And I was creating damage to my children and causing damage to my children and to my husband. And, and through those nine months in counseling, began to uh, realize I needed to lay this before the Lord and ask him for forgiveness for what I had done that was wrong. And there was plenty of sin in my life, but also forgive my parents for the abuse that I suffered, you know, as their child. Uh, and and forgive them for the present and forgive them for the past. And as God released me from those things, he did. He gave me a heart of flesh. And it, it's been, I guess, 10 years, 15 years since that happened. Yeah, 10, the twins are 15. So it's been about 10, 11 years since that moment. And I am a different person. I am a totally different person than I was. And we're living through a renovation of our kitchen right now. And, you know, a third of our house is turned upside down. And the 15 years ago, that woman would have been 
a, a witch to live with. And right now my family is like, I can't believe how calm you are. I can't believe how loving you still are. Like my, my, my children remember the old me enough and Stephen remembers the old me enough to be like, wow, God. I've gone through a time where my, my family as well, uh, Elisa has said, how have said that I, um, you know, that I was mean and, you know, that my words are cutting. Really? I, I didn't realize that my tone was such a way. And, and I remember, you know, the kids saying, my friends just look at you and they run, they're afraid of you. I thought, well, geez, that's, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> I mean, I don't want them to run the other way. Um, so, but I, I know what you mean, the heart not being right, having a yeah. heart of stone and needing to walk through uh, forgiveness and forgiving is is truly a process. I, I've had to walk through that myself and going through um, forgiving, you know, my mother, my father and, and loved ones. I just say some, you know, family members for, you know, some of the oh, it's emotional, uh, emotional abuse that that I've had to go, you know, that I have suffered because I, yeah. I would cart compartmentalize different sections and I, I, I strive to be transparent and I, I know now that I am transparent but to have compartmentalized and head but this certain area right here I'm still not forgiving them I still have a hardened heart I still don't like this and justify it by saying well I love them but I don't like them or you know just try to compromise it in any way to suit me, but God's word is very clear and I needed a new heart. And I was, um, someone told me that same thing and that until you forgive, and you know, until you forgive, the Lord will never, the Lord will never use you in, in completing your destiny. It's important that you learn how to forgive. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I often feel like I have to define forgiveness for people because it's so misunderstood that like God showed me during that process, forgiveness isn't forgetting. It's actually remembering, acknowledging, yeah. declaring, stating, and, and then releasing and saying, God, you're the judge. You are a better judge over this than yeah. I ever could be. So I trust you, God, to judge fairly. And so I don't need to hold on to this anymore. I forgive this person because you're the better one to decide their fate than I. I and I'm ready to move on. Yes. <laughs> and and not take this with me. <laughs> like take it out of my heart. And that passage from Psalm 139, um, at the end of that passage says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And it is offensive when we don't forgive because God has called us to that in obedience to him. Exactly. It goes back to being obedient to what his word says and truly hiding it in our heart. How can we truly hide, our, hide his word in our heart if that heart is hardened? It needs to be that heart of flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and he's the one that will turn it soft. Yeah, That's been where he's, he's proven himself faithful to me is that he did it. He just asked for me to release. Yeah. Perry, I see you want to say something. I just think just overall, like it's beautiful that God is so forgiving and so loving and that we are a work in progress. Yes. It's just step by step, you know, just living in obedience, mm -hmm. living with an open heart, willing to be molded and changed. And it's, it's a work in progress, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he's not done with me. There are still areas yeah. that, uh, there are areas buried in my heart that unfortunately I think graduate school getting a degree in clinical counseling is going to unearth in the next three years as I study more and more things about our right. our mind and our heart and how we how we process human relationship it's a it's a it's pretty intense to see yeah. the areas that he still wants to accomplish work in yeah but just look at how far he has brought us right absolutely praise the lord praise the lord right and the the sad thing would be if the three of us were sitting here you know married multiple years with children and and we were sitting here saying i'm fine the way i am he doesn't need to do more work on me right and so uh, we're we're here but we're still being refined in my in reading this passage this morning from Ezekiel, I ended up reading the entire passage, not just the, the key verse passage. And uh, what was shocking to me was the way God used words like rebuilt and replanted, which is what made me think of what you were just saying, that God is, is continuing this process. So uh, verse 31 says, you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices, which and just to stop there for a second, like it is okay and probably a good thing for us to remember when, right? And not, not look at those things and say like, yeah, not that big of a deal, but loathe them and acknowledge that it was not good. It, and then he says, it, it is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways house of Israel. And again, countercultural language, but that there is a place for shame and humiliation when we know what we've done is wrong. And then verse 33 says, this is what the Lord God says on the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities. I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins to be rebuilt. I love thinking of God as a, as a resurrection God. He's in the build, you know, the business of reconstruction. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And that visual, right, from, from, from a desert to a bountiful place. The cities that were once ruined, desolate, and demolished are now fortified and inhabited. The nations that remained around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was demolished and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. This is what the Lord God says. I will respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in a number like a flock. So the ruined cities will be filled with a flock of people, just as Jerusalem is filled with a flock of sheep for sacrifice during appointed festivals. Then they will know that I am the Lord. 
and I, you know that's kind of where I, I wanted to go and end on is that this is all for for us to know that God is God. He is the Lord. That the work that He accomplishes in our life is for His glory, not 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 for ours. You know, it's not for us alone. It's for His kingdom work. And so, this idea of remembering like what I wish I knew when isn't that because we can go back and do it differently. But where will this conversation become a bookmark in somebody else's life that they in 10 or 20 years will look back on and say, when I heard LaVonda and when I heard Perry and when I heard Ashley, you know, or Perry, when I heard LaVonda and I heard Perry and I heard Lisa say these things, it made me realize that and that he is in the process of rebuilding somebody else's life and replanting in their fields for what is to come that the next generation will know that he is the lord so lavanda would you mind on that note closing us up in prayer uh, thank you yes gracious lord father we thank you and praise you today lord god father we thank you that you have been in our midst to allow us this opportunity to give honor glory and praise to you father we thank you that you have brought things to our remembrance in the importance of remembering when, but giving us the faith and the steadfastness to go forward into new things of you. Father, we ask that you touch each and every person that listens to this podcast. Father, that it would touch their hearts. Lord, that eyes are opened and ears are opened, Lord God, to hear from you. Lord, that you would continue to bless this ministry, bless this podcast in each and every person. We thank you and praise you for this. Thank you for being the King of King and Lord of Lords. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for being here with me today. Such a blessing. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray that you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best, but not sure what that looks like, head over to morenabee.com slash align and take our quiz and find out. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek.